When it comes to investing, retirement, taxes, healthcare, and estate planning, the decisions you make today can greatly affect the quality of life for you and your loved ones tomorrow. What you need is straight and unbiased information on the most important issues you'll face when planning for your retirement and financial future. Good news. You found the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. Grant is the founder of Dorhout Retirement Services, and he's been guiding people financially and into retirement for nearly 20 years. So get ready for an hour of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. It's time for the Retirement Blueprint. And now, here are your hosts, Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. Good morning. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Retirement Blueprint, the show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. On today's show, we're going to be talking about six social security myths. We're going to debunk these for you. Also, an estate plan checkup. You can't just set it and forget it. Also, what is a SPIA, a single premium annuity? We'll explain that for you and whether or not it's appropriate for your portfolio. And then finally, one in six retirees are considering unretiring. Why are they doing that? And should you consider unretiring if you're already retired? My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions. But the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Grant Dorhout, founder and wealth advisor of Dorhout Retirement Services right here in Omaha. Hey, Grant, how you doing this morning? I am doing wonderful. We had a great week uh, meeting with clients, meeting with people that were new to Doorhout Retirement Services. It was a great week. We're excited for the weekend, got the Super Bowl over with, and right. now we're looking forward to March Madness here uh, in a couple <laughs> weeks. And, and, and even the conference championships, it starts heating up. The fun time of year, you can, uh, you can really start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel from a cold standpoint and right. excited for spring and some golf. Yeah, I, I forgot about the golf part of it. You know, late February, March is an exciting time of the year, as you said, for March Madness and college basketball. For me, being a big baseball fan, of course, pitchers and catchers are reporting, and uh, soon the rest of the ball club is going to be there, too. So spring training is uh, in full swing, and it's just an exciting time of the year. But it's always exciting when we meet with new clients here at Doorhout Retirement Services. You know, we've done this radio show now for about six months or so. We've talked to a lot of people, and they're beginning to give us a call and really find out what we're all about and we're really glad for that. So right off the bat here, I'm going to give you a telephone number. It's 402-281-0750. That's the number to reach us. 402-281-0750. And as the program progresses today, you hear some things that you're interested in or maybe you've got some comments or questions about the topics that we've talked about today. Don't hesitate to give that call and you can do it this weekend. Okay, Grant, we've got a full slate ahead of us here, but last week in the beginning of the show, we were talking about some advisors that maybe act in less than a fiduciary standard. What's the latest observation that you have? This was a bit concerning because I, I mean, I know who these people are. I think they're probably well-intentioned, but I think they're overlooking the fact of what they're doing is they're giving, uh, giving hope in a situation where things have progressed beyond what you can do. I mean, from a long-term care standpoint. And I asked uh, the, the client this past week, well, okay, that's all fine and dandy what they're telling you, but have they given you anything in writing? And I spoke with a, a longtime friend of mine. He's been in this business for about 40 years. He used to do education, continuing education from a long-term care standpoint. And I asked him about what they're proposing, and he, he had some very interesting insights as well. Uh, and he said it's not new. It's, it's something that when a family is in a long-term care situation, if you can give them some ideas around how to preserve assets without actually going through the full 60-month look back that, uh, mm -hmm. that the state has, if you're giving them options, it gives them hope, and then they'll sign on the dotted line. The issue that I had this week was the fact that, okay, that they might sign on the dotted line, but if you're not going to get anything in writing, what's going to happen in two, two and a half, three years, even four years when they apply for Medicaid and right. uh, <laughs> assets have been given away and Medicaid potentially would deny the claim? What's, what's going to happen? Who's going to have to pay then? And if you go back to them and they have nothing in writing, they're just going to say something simple like, well, I don't remember saying that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a huge issue. I've been saying, hey, get me, get me what they're going to give you in writing. We'll go utilize my estate planning attorney. We will go together 
I will pay for the meeting to make sure that you're taken care of. And we're going to get more sets of eyes because I spoke with a lawyer this past week that's actually in my office building, and and her reaction was quite comical. Yeah. Uh, she said, hey, I'm not an estate planning attorney, but here's the deal. That I know is absolutely wrong, and mm. it's giving hope where there is none. And it's, it's a bit of a frustrating situation. We'll work through it. We'll get through it with the client. However, I, I don't like seeing that. This type of situation when you're when you're targeting those that are uh, maybe hadn't had the the opportunity for full estate planning, full uh, healthcare planning, and uh, you you get a hold of them once they're in care, that's a slippery slope. It's something that people definitely need help with, but we have to plan ahead and uh, and do these things five years ago, not at this moment. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at this week. We'll probably give an update next week. Hopefully we can put this to bed so that uh, my blood pressure can go down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> but, that is uh, terrible to simply prey on people's hopes like that, to uh, give them hope when really in reality there isn't hope. And that is quite generous of you to take this and run it by a true estate planning attorney to uh, vet these things out. But that is just terrible that some financial advisors will do that and then won't back it up in writing as well, too. Grant, when you suggest something to a client. I mean, really, you have vetted your opinion six ways to Sunday, right? Yeah, I actually went through one yesterday with my son. I was just going through the options with him. And I said, hey, this client, this new client that's coming in, said we can do it one of two ways and the client is fine either way. I told him that there are certain aspects that we have to consider. And I told him this is what it means to be a fiduciary. I could go this route for the client and they'd be okay. I could go another route in terms of a liquidity standpoint and uh, overall planning, estate planning. This way fits in a lot better for the client, although it'd be a lot simpler for me to do it the first way that I described to him. It'll be more complex for me, but that's part of being a fiduciary is identifying what the opportunity is for the client, identifying what is in their best interest. And a lot of times you can go either way and you have to step back and and look at it objectively and say, you know what, this is what's going to be best for this client in the long run, in, in the next 10 years. This is going to take a little bit more time and a little bit more effort and a little bit more complication, but it doesn't matter. This is what's best for that client. And we implement those strategies to get them the complete planning done so that we have all five of the plans put together rather than, okay, I'm just going to do this quick with this client and get this one back out the door. That's the, <laughs> that's not being a fiduciary. When you're running people through like a cattle call, that is, uh, it's very difficult to fulfill a fiduciary responsibility when you when you don't have the time to dedicate to giving people what they really need. The people that were in yesterday, I was telling my son about, I mean, we met with them twice. We've met with them for three hours. We have not given them a full planning recommendation yet. We'll do that in about the fourth hour. They are getting details mm -hmm. that they can be comfortable with. So then when they decide to sign on the dotted line, they can say, you know what? I know every aspect that I need to know and what the impact is. Maybe they're not going to know every single little detail of every single investment. It's difficult for anyone to do that. However, what they will know and they will be comfortable with is very simply, I know what the impact is on what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Why did I take out this stock, this bond, this mutual fund, this ETF, or this annuity, or this life insurance? What is my purpose? Okay, my purpose was I needed to satisfy a required minimum distribution, and I wanted to do that in a secure way. I allocated these funds over into that to satisfy that purpose. It's really that simple. And when we get through that, then we give them in writing what they are going to get from us. We have our investment advisory agreement. This is what our responsibility is to you. This is what your responsibility is to me, which is basically call me back when I call you. Because if I call you, it's for a purpose and it might be for a review. Mm -hmm. And if I need you for a review, I need to make sure that I'm doing the right things by you. And that's part of the follow up. So that's what people get when you go through this in the really comprehensive way where we're not in a big hurry to run people through. We're in a big hurry to find out what people need, this discovery of what they're really looking for. What they have, is it satisfying that or 
Are there adjustments that we need to make that we can help them through that in, in an efficient way? And Grant, you said two words there, complexity and opportunity. And it appears to me that complexity equals opportunity. I mean, this is not simple stuff. And that's why I think that Doorhout Retirement Services should be considered as a comprehensive financial planner. I mean, there are limited scope advisors out there. There are plenty of them out there who can sell you a stock bond portfolio. But to really dig deep down into this and go into the complex parts of this, this is where I think Doorhout Retirement services really does shine. So remember, complexity equals opportunity. The other thing that I took away from the conversation that we just had is you had mentioned the fact that you don't really get into a product until several meetings later. So, you know, when you do call and come in to Doorhout Retirement Services and have that initial conversation, it's just a discovery. We're not going to lead with the product. We don't know you yet. We've got to find out who you are, what your goals, your dreams, your hopes and desires are, what your expectations are. And then later on down the road, we'll begin to present products to you and we'll come to an agreement together as to what would be the right path for you. And correct me if I'm wrong, Grant, that anything that you suggest to someone has been vetted in the trenches. You've used it before. This is just not a pie in the sky hope sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a client in yesterday that just popped into my head that she went to a dinner seminar and which we do dinner seminars as well. They're totally fine. However, this particular individual, I, I've known him for years. He stands up basically just tells them that the answer to their to all their hopes and dreams is this particular type of annuity and oh. and my client she said hey you know what yeah I'll, I'll meet with him he seems like a nice guy and he said yeah you don't have to call grant don't worry about it we can just move forward <laughs> with this well she did the wise thing she came into me and she yeah. said hey he's pitching this to me and I said, well, okay, you can do that, but why are we doing that? Because we have her in, in the market for a very specific reason. We need certain amount of growth that the market provides for her. She's still working. Why are you taking that out? And you whittle down to it and he's pitching this 25% bonus that I told her for her purposes, that bonus is absolutely bogus. Right. So now, and, and that bonus, when you look at a bonus on those types of products, on those annuities, I mean, that's really the icing on the cake. You got to look at what what's the cake that we got there. I mean, if it's not good enough without the bonus, is it good enough, period? And the answer for her was no. And those types of things are, are very, important to, to keep in mind when something sounds too good to be true. You know, this is the savior product and oh my goodness, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I will give you all the answer. It is not the greatest thing since sliced bread. I promise you that because there is no perfect investment. There is no perfect product. There's no perfect annuity, life insurance, stock bond, mutual fund, ETF that everyone should have because it's the only thing that is perfect. They aren't out there, but what we can get when we go through our comprehensive planning process is you can get a near perfect plan when you package together things with a very targeted goal for every single pocket of money. And that's what I think is important for people to keep in mind in this discussion. So don't be fooled by people who are saying, yeah, this is the best thing for you. Come in and talk to Grant or come in and talk to an advisor who really is going to sit down and do a discovery process with you, find out who you are, and is really not going to lead with a product. I want to talk to our listeners right now, Grant, because I think this is so important for them to understand what a true fiduciary really is. If you want want to talk to an investment advisor who wants to sell you a standardized stock bond portfolio. Folks, listen, there's a lot of investment advisors out here in Omaha who'd be happy to do that for you. If you want your eggs in an annuity basket, all of them, anyone with an insurance license be happy to sell that to you too. But if you want to go beyond a product sales pitch, if you want to focus on the lifestyle first and the life that you want to live, and you want to have a conversation with an advisor who will look at your unique needs and desires through a comprehensive lens, an advisor who understands that maybe Maybe in retirement you want to travel to see the kids, or maybe you want to go on overseas vacations. Maybe you want to start a hobby business. An advisor who wants to help you discover who you really are and who you really want to be in retirement, then listen up, this is for you. Grant Dorhout here at Dorhout Retirement Services is offering a peace in retirement blueprint. It's just a friendly conversation between you and Grant to get the answers that you need to put you on a path towards a confident retirement. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, what's this going to cost? I can tell you right now, it's not going to cost you anything. 
402-281-0750 is the number to call. Now, you can call it this weekend if you want. Leave your name, your telephone number. Lisa will give you a call back next week. Again, no cost, no obligation for this, and there is no judgment. It's just a friendly conversation that may uncover some blind spots that, when addressed, may help improve the quality of your retirement. And by the way, that retirement could last 30-plus years. Once again, 402-281-0750, no cost, no obligation. You could also request your complimentary consultation online at DoorHoutRetirementServices.com. That's D-O-R-H-O-U-T, RetirementServices.com. Want more strategies to support the quality of life you want for 30-plus years? Stick around. There's more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout in just a moment. You can't start a trip you've never taken without a plan. And you can't start your retirement journey without a comprehensive plan to get there safely. To request your no-cost, no-obligation Dorhout Retirement Roadmap, call 402-281-0750. Or request it online at DoorhoutRetirementServices.com. Now, back to more of Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shade. Thanks so much for making us a part of your weekend. We are certainly happy you decided to join us here for the Retirement Blueprint. Grant and I have had a fantastic conversation here in the first part of our program about the real meaning of fiduciary. If you have missed that, once again, we are a podcast. Go to wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. You'll find this show and all of our past shows so you can stay on top of your journey towards retirement. Grant, in the beginning of the show, I promised that we would talk about Social Security, so I want to get to that. And the title of this particular segment is Debunking six social security myths. So I want to start off the top here, and I was talking to my sister about the same thing. My sister and brother both took their social security at age 62, and their reasoning was because we don't think it's going to be there by the time we're 66, 67, or age 70. That is a myth, I think. Social security benefits won't be there when I retire. What's your feeling on that? I get it when people hear that because everyone knows about our government and the way that it has not been so responsible in terms of uh, a fiscal standpoint. And, and then we get into a situation years ago when, uh, when they pulled cash from the Social Security Trust Fund, and that worries people because then you start hearing things like what the current projection is, that Social Security is supposed to be payable in full on a timely basis until 2037. Right. Okay, so people hear that. They might hear someone say, well, gosh, what's going to happen after that? Well, they're going to reduce your benefits possibly up to 30%. People worry about that because then they also hear that now the Social Security Trust Fund, those trust funds are going to be depleted in 2041. Okay, mm-hmm. so people hear that and they think, oh my goodness, Social Security isn't going to be there. I need to take it at 62 However, I want people to to keep in mind when Social Security was enacted a long, long time ago, you could take Social Security at 62, right? Right. You could take Social Security at 62, and they'll give it to you for the rest of your life, but the life expectancy was a lot shorter than it is today. So what they've done over the years is they start pushing back your full retirement age. If you look right now, most people at 67 is their full retirement age. I'm 43 years old. I don't believe my full retirement age for Social Security will be 67. I think it's probably going to be more like 70. Maybe max Social Security won't be 70 for me. Maybe it'll be 75. Maybe it'll be 80. Those things you have to keep in mind that my parents, my dad's 83. My mom is 81. She'll be 82 next month. They're past their working years. So they rely heavily on what they get from Social Security. Yes, they have investments that are paying them as well. But if you all of a sudden stop giving them $1,000 per month, what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to go back to work? Yeah, That's not going to be a popular thing for a politician to propose. So especially when you're looking at the largest voting block historically, with the exception of the midterms in 2018, you're not going to take away those benefits from seniors. At least I can't see it at this point. Yeah, and I can't see any politician who would come out and say, yes, I'm going to make cuts to Social Security to the people who are already getting Social Security. And again, we cannot guarantee anything on this radio program. Anything could happen. But our opinion, based on just common sense, is that there will be some changes made to Social Security. Absolutely. For people who are younger like you, there may be some changes. They may put it off a full retirement age till later. The benefits could be recalculated in some way. Uh, You know, Social Security taxes could go up. But 
it's not going to really, I think, see any measurable difference for those people who are already getting Social Security, people who are baby boomers or people who are just about to retire. So, again, if you think it's going to run out, I think that it's not going to run out. There just may be changes. So don't let that stand in your way of retiring if you want to retire. And again, remember, at 62. If you do take it, I mean, you're going to have a cap on the money that you can make until you reach full retirement age. It's in the $20,000 range. Once you reach full retirement age, you can make as much as you want. But be sure to take a look at that. Do not just take Social Security at age 62 because you think it won't be there. So that's myth number one. Myth number two, Grant, Social Security will be a major source of retirement income. The majority of people that come into my office. We had one yesterday that yes, they had a pension, they had both social securities and and that was a sizable amount, but that is a diminishing population that we have. I mean, we're having less and less people that can make it on social security. I don't know of anyone that can just make it on social security. So a major source it might be people's only source of inflation protected income, which because it is going to increase on an annual basis, some years it won't, but the majority of years it will. So it's not going to be the only source. It will be a significant source, but it's not going to be the only source of people's income in retirement. And if you think you're going to get to Social Security age and just live on Social Security, you're going to be sorely mistaken. You're probably going to have a situation, if someone's thinking that, they're probably going to work part-time jobs for the rest of their life if that is their plan for Social Security to be the only major source of retirement income. Grant, in your experience, people who are taking Social Security who are clients of yours, is it less than 50% or more than 50% of their income? I'd say right about 50% is, okay. is pretty close. Uh, you know, if I have someone that has an income need of $100,000, it, it, it just, it typically works out. It's kind of interesting that if they need $100,000, they're going to have somewhere in that fifty to 60000 is going to be their Social Security benefits is what I've experienced. I don't have anyone that comes in, they need $100,000 annual income from their retirement funds that they have $30,000 of Social Security. It's, it's much more proportional to half, maybe 60% of their income. So there's another myth busted right there. Social Security will be a major source of retirement income. Probably not. Take your Social Security payment, what your projected Social Security payment is. Multiply that times 12. That'll give you an annual amount and back out some taxes. And then just do the math. Or I'm going to call it arithmetic and decide whether or not you can live on that. And I would say chances are that you will not be able to do that. Myth number three, grant Social Security benefits don't keep up with inflation. This one's a big one because we'll run a report for people for their income where, you know, we'll inflate Social Security at one and a half percent. We're comfortable with that range, but we also look at what their total income is and what their total income need is, and we increase that by two and a half percent. So the responsibility of your portfolio gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So it's kind of a combination, the last two, the major source. Well, it looks like a major source kind of at the beginning, but when you start snowballing the income need 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road, well, then the, the amount of responsibility that Social Security is going to be able to give versus your retirement portfolio, it's a significant difference. So I don't think that Social Security fully can keep up with inflation, but it is going to be the majority of people's only inflation-protected pension style income that they have. It's going to be the only one. Is it going to keep up with inflation? Not completely, but it's at least going to give you something on the way. Right. And the coal of the cost of living adjustment is based on inflationary figures. It's been as much as something like 14.3% in 1980. We didn't have any COLA increase in 2009, 10, and 15. And uh, I think it was last year, something like 8.7%. This year, 2024, Social Security COLA cost of living adjustment, 3.2%. Currently, inflation is just about that. So that's one of those myths that may or may not be true. It is a lot of times that uh, Social Security does keep up with inflation, but then there are other times when it doesn't. So we'll just call that one sort of a draw. Next one here is you can outlive Social Security. That's myth number four. 
Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> that's just blatantly not true. I don't know uh, who's saying this one because you're going to receive those payments every month until your death. And actually, your Social Security could go beyond because if you have a husband and wife and let's say the, the husband passes away, the wife's Social Security would go away and the husband's check would stay in force until the wife would pass away. So that one right there, that one's a really, really simple one uh, that has the backing of the federal government. It's designed to keep pace with inflation to a certain extent. We believe that Social Security can be figured at one and a half, even though you're going to have years that there's 3.2 or 14 or 8 or, or 4 or whatever. There's also going to be years like 2009, 10, and 15 that don't inflate at all. Just because they don't inflate doesn't take away from the fact that it is going to be there until you are not. That's right. So you can't outlive Social Security. Personal uh, story here. I have an aunt, and I've mentioned this before. Now, Grant, she just turned 106 years old in January. She still gets Social Security. And I was looking at the uh, oldest uh, person in the USA, Edie Keenan Cacciarelli. She is a California woman. She is 116 years old. Wow. And boy, I'd like to be in touch with uh, Edie and see whether she's still getting Social Security, but I bet that she does. If she worked long enough to pay into Social Security, she is getting Social Security at age 116. Okay, we're covering some myths about Social Security here. Next to the last one is I should wait as long as possible to claim my Social Security benefits. Okay, that's a blanket statement. And this is, uh, I've heard this one before. I'm going to wait until 70 because that's my biggest check. Okay. If your only situation is trying to maximize it, that could be a good idea. I don't know that it's the best thing for your portfolio because what we'll do is we'll do Social Security optimization. We're going to okay. look at, does it make sense at 62, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, or anywhere in between, I mean, anywhere between 62 and 70. We're going to look at it and see what is the most optimal for what we are trying to accomplish. We're trying to accomplish a reliable income plan. We're going to have protected income for the rest of someone's life. If the best way for us to accomplish that is to wait until age 70, then we'll do that. But if the best way for us to accomplish that is 62, we're going to do that because it really depends on, on someone's portfolio and what type of income. Do they have a certain amount of payout that they're going to get that can allow them to get to 70? There's a lot of times that people want to retire at 62, 64, 66, and it stresses out their portfolio too much to take the payments from 62 to 70 so they can't get there it doesn't make sense so you you could have a situation where someone waits until age 70 but they spent so much of their nest egg that all of a sudden you get to age 80 and then you don't have any money left so you're only living on social security then so you got the max social security but you ran out of money whereas if you run it it might be a better situation to take it at 64 and take that for the rest of your life so then you don't run out of money at age 80. So a lot of things need to be factored in. I'm not a fan at all of blanket statements like this. Like no. I, yeah, There's right. one gentleman on the radio, he's a national figure, and he mm -hmm. says to invest in one way for every single person. <laughs> he says to take a life insurance the same way for every single person. I don't think that's appropriate. We have to take into consideration your situation and build the plan around that. Okay, Grant, this is sort of radio mythbusters here. I want to go with the last one now. This is one that I have heard uh, frequently in my travels is people will say, well, you know, I paid into Social Security all these years. It was a tax. So Social Security income is not subject to taxes. Myth or fact? That is a myth. That is an absolute myth. You, it could be that it's not subject to taxes. I've had people that come in that they're low enough income. Like I had one that I talked to a while ago at $1,500 per month that she was living on. I, I, I was shocked when she told me that she was living on $1,500 a month, but she has a friend that moved in with her and, mm -hmm. and he's covering part of the bills as well. So then they can spread that cost. Hers is not going to be subject to, to any tax. Okay. But that doesn't mean that Social Security isn't subject to income tax. You have to figure out what your provisional income is in order to figure out, do I pay taxes on 50%? Do I pay taxes on 85% of my Social Security? Or do I pay taxes on none of it? And when I say 85%, I've said that in front of a lot of groups, a lot of times when I say 85%, people gasp because they think that it's 85% tax. Correct. That's not accurate at all. It's 85% is taxable. 
as ordinary Mm -hmm. income. So yes, it is absolutely taxable. You have to factor in with your provisional income how much of your income is even from municipal bonds to figure out how much tax you pay on your social security. But the provisional income, we do that for people all the time, figure out what the provisional income is. And then we can figure out how much tax they're going to pay on their social security. And if there's a way inside of their investments to make adjustments from a tax perspective, to decrease how much tax they pay on their social security. It's a great way to go when you get the tax plan and their income plan working together and you adjust their Uh, their assets from traditional IRA to Roth IRA or to life insurance or whatever it may be in order to be able to have a much more tax efficient plan moving forward. You can do that. But yes, Social Security is taxable depending on how you are allocated and what your tax situation is for your investments. Well, Grant, based on our conversation, I'm willing to bet that our listeners will have some questions about Social Security. If you do have those questions, we invite you to call us and request your complimentary Doorhout Retirement review. It's just a friendly conversation with Grant that'll cover a wide range of topics based on your individual situation so you can proactively adjust your financial plan to address your retirement journey, any blind spots that might hinder you from reaching your goals. And of course, ask those questions about Social Security. Grant and the team there will be happy to help you through that. Again, no cost, no obligation for this. There's no judgment, just a friendly conversation. That number once again, 402-281-0750. And you can call it right now. Now, 402-281-0750, simply leave your name and your telephone number. Lisa will give you a call back on Monday, gather some very basic information, and set you up with a conversation with Grant. Once again, that telephone number, 402-281-0750. Remember, this one call could make all the difference. You can also request your complimentary plan online at DoorHoutRetirementServices.com. That's D-O-R-H-O-U-T, RetirementServices.com. Want more talk about sustaining your wealth and thriving in a retirement that could last 30 plus years? Stay tuned for more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout after this. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good, because it's time for more Retirement Blueprint with your financial Sherpas, Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shea. Happy February, everybody. Thank you so much for making us part of your weekend. Of course, this is Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. Again, we're a podcast. If you've missed any part of the show, simply go wherever you get your podcast. Search for the Retirement Blueprint with Grant. You'll find this show, all of our past shows. You can also Google that and you will find the Retirement Blueprint right there. You can listen to it on your time frame. Grant, a lot to talk about on today's show. So in this segment, I want to talk about estate plan checkups. Don't just set it and forget it. So I know that you do estate planning there at Doorhout Retirement Services. You're not necessarily estate planning attorneys, but you do help people with setting up their estate plan. So let's talk about some of the things that would cause you to just not set it and forget it. The first one is, you know, I would think that if I had an estate plan done or a will or trust and I did it 10 years ago, that probably 10 years later, life is just not the same. So you've really got to account for significant life changes. Yeah, this is kind of a funny story with uh, with this life changes. It brings me back to 20-some years ago, uh, my parents, and this is before I was in this industry, I believe it was about 25 years ago, they said something about that they had to get their will redone because they didn't think that I was even in the will. And so they hadn't, they hadn't updated it in 18 years. My and God. So kind of funny. I mean, I think a lot of people get into that and and they, they forget about certain things that happen. Hopefully you don't forget about a child, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, significant life changes. You got a lot of people that when you have a basic will, maybe that's enough. Some people, they might need a revocable trust or an irrevocable trust, but all of that's part of your estate plan and reviewing it regularly is gonna be necessary. And what we do for our clients is is we have a service, we have a, it's called a client experience where they can log in through my website and they can put in, hey, th- these things are significant changes, and then I can review it. But significant life changes, you know, what if a, a child unfortunately would pass away? Or what if you find out, hey, you know what, these kids of ours, they're making way more money than I ever did. In- instead of giving 100% to our kids, let's let's do a generation skip trust. Let's skip over them and, and give some money to the grandkids for college. We really want to have the that trust pay for that. All of those things, very significant things that can change throughout your life that you have to take into consideration. You can't just say, hey, one day 
we're going to set up our will and that's good enough. You might have life changes that you might need a trust now. And, and that's certain things that we help people with as well. And I have another friend who's in the financial services industry, Grant, and he does deal with estate stuff. And he says that occasionally older people will bring in a will. I mean, it's a printed copy of a will. He says, it looks like the declaration of independence. It's all yellow and crinkly. <laughs> and they go, Hey, it says yeah. here that you got two children. I, I thought you had five. Oh yeah. Yeah. We do have five. Well, we forgot <laughs> to put those people in there. So I think failing to address these changes might result in unintended consequences like leaving your estate to your siblings instead of your children. So significant life changes, I think that's probably the most important reason that you want to update your will. Next one is changes in the law. That does happen now and again. Yeah, so this one right here is is pretty simple. Changes in the law. You might be looking at from an estate standpoint or an inheritance tax standpoint. If you're looking at inheritance tax, you're going to be looking at in the state of Nebraska, it can be between 1 and 18%. Those numbers can change just like the estate tax exemption federally. For 2024, the exemption's up to $13.61 million, but if we get to 2026 and we don't change the the law and and extend our current law, we could see drastic reductions in that. We don't know exactly what it's going to be yet, but if laws change, you want to make sure that you're up to date on that and make sure that your your wills and your trusts are up to date with what our current law is as well. And the next one has to do with asset valuation. I mean, assets do fluctuate in valuation. You can have portfolios of equities that could be, you know, totally different. And if you leave it equally to uh, children, let's say that you got two children, one child may make out like a bandit while the other child may not have anything. Yeah, exactly right. I had a client a while ago, probably about five years ago, came to me, had three boys. He wanted to leave a certain amount of the the assets to each one of them. And what he had done over the years is he had invested in drastically different ways. And it wasn't like it was a uniform trust for minors where he was going to have them actually take over it at a certain point. He was going to manage these funds and then pass the funds along. Well, we start looking through this and there's a drastic difference in what the value of each of those are. Or if someone has land, let's say they have four kids and they have four quarters of land and they want to give one to each kid. Right. Well, you might be giving hundreds of thousands of dollars more in value to one kid versus the other. So get your asset valuation figured out and, and make sure that you're being fair if that's what your goal is. Yeah. And like you said, maybe you've got a house, you've got a vacant piece of land. Well, the house really appreciated a great deal, but the vacant piece of land now is worthless. So asset valuation, very, very important. I want to wrap up this subject with talking about beneficiary designations. That is something that we see once in a while is that those are not what they need to be. Yeah, I said that to start this, that my parents for the first 18 years or so of my life forgot me in the will. I I, <laughs> I think that happens more often than, than you'd think, but but also not only different events, life events such marriage, uh, divorce, birth sure. of additional children. I mean, right. there's all kinds of things that can happen that if you have life changes, just do an inventory, do it once a year, do an inventory of things that have changed in your life and make sure that it's inside of your estate plan if it's significant enough like a marriage or a divorce or something like that. And I want to point out that we're not estate planning attorneys here at Doorhout, but you do do estate planning. I mean, how far can you take this? In other words, what can you advise people on as far as their estate planning goes, Grant? Yeah. So when looking at their asset level, looking at how we can actually get their assets to their kids or their grandkids or to its final destination when they're gone, if we can have name beneficiaries inside of investments or uh, if they have a lot of IRAs or, or a lot of life insurance or a lot of things that have named beneficiaries in them, they might be looking at a, at a simple will. But if they start complicating things with more real estate and certain properties, certain non-qualified assets, it may make more sense sense to have a revocable or an irrevocable trust, depending on what type of planning you're trying to do. So once we get to that point, then we actually will partner with a estate planning attorney and get those done by someone that is qualified to do so. We have them draft the language and they have the trusts and the wills drafted up here in Nebraska. That's not something that I do personally, but we will figure out the plan and work with the estate planning attorney in order to, to get it executed. Right. So you do have a synergistic relationship with an estate planning attorney. So don't forget estate planning, very, very important part of a financial plan. 
If you have questions about your estate, you want to get in and sit down and maybe take a look at where it is right now, make any changes that might be necessary. Again, that number to call for Grant, 402-281-0750 for this friendly conversation. Grant will be happy to take a look at what you have and set you on the path to make sure that things are the way that you want them to be. Once again, that telephone number, 402-281-0750. No cost, no obligation for this service. Just sort of consider it a community service, if you will. 402-281-0750. You may that call this weekend. Okay, Grant, I want to continue on in this segment, and we'll probably continue this into the next segment, but I want to talk about what a single premium annuity is because I've heard people mention this, oh, I've got a SPIA, and I'll ask them, what is that? And they go, I don't know. I just know that I have a SPIA, (laughs) but I know that that stands for single premium annuity. Can you explain first off, what is a SPIA? Yes, because very simple, you can have a single premium immediate annuity. So what you'll do if you have a SPIA or you're going to try and take out a SPIA is you're trying to replicate what a loss of a pension would be, for instance. So let's say someone, uh, if they retired years ago, they'd have a pension and now we have 401ks. We have the defined contribution plans instead of the defined benefit plans. Well, if you have this pile of money and your social security doesn't keep up with what your spending habits are, or what your living expenses are, well, you're going to have to create income from some way, and a single premium immediate annuity could be the route that you do. So you could put $100,000, for instance, in a single premium immediate annuity, and you can have it pay out for five years or 10 years or 20 years or for the rest of your life, or you could do life with a period certain. You have to be careful, though, with that. If you give $100,000 to an insurance company and they start paying you for the rest of your life, you have to be aware of if you do a life-only payout and you pass away in after one or two or five payments or one or two or five years, there is no death benefit for your beneficiaries. You have to know that there are ways that you can get around that. You could do a 10-year certain and life. So if you live longer than 10 years, it's going to keep paying you for the rest of your life. But if you live only one payment, it's going to pay out to your beneficiaries at least for that 10-year period. So you got to be aware of some of the nuances inside of a SPIA if you're going to use it. Okay, so I think there's a lot of confusion out there about SPIAs. People really don't understand what they have, and I think that you have pointed out properly the pros and the cons of that. Now, I've heard people say, well, I want an annuity because I've heard that they will pay me a guaranteed income for the rest of my life. In other words, money that I can't outlive. What type of annuity is that? Yeah, that's an annuity. It's just doing the same thing that a pension is going to do. Inside of a SPIA, you can have that exact same makeup. Now, there's a lot of room to debate whether or not that's a good thing for people to do. There might be other avenues. There might be other types of annuities that pay out in a similar way, but give a little more flexibility. Like if you look at an indexed annuity, it can give you a little bit different spin on it and it's going to give you some flexibility with how you want to set it up. Once you do a SPIA and you turn it on, you turn on that income, you're not changing anything. With certain types of other annuities, you can have a little more flexibility than the SPIA. Okay, so an annuity may or may not be a good thing for you to have in your retirement portfolio. I think it just really depends upon what your goals are, what you really want. And, you know, we've talked about a SPIA. I think there's another one. What is it? My good multi-year guaranteed annuity. What is that? Yeah, multi-year guarantee annuity. It looks like a CD. Uh, It's not a CD, but it looks like a CD. It's not FDIC insured, but it doesn't need FDIC insurance because it has the insurance company. It has those regulations behind it, but it looks very similar to a CD. For instance, if you take out a two-year multi-year guarantee annuity and you get X amount of interest, you're going to get that X amount of interest for that two-year period. And at the end of the term, then you can do whatever you want with the money, very similar to a two-year CD. So I always talk about them as their CD-like They're not a CD. They do not have FDIC insurance, but you might be able to get a little bit higher interest rate, in my experience, inside of a multi-year guarantee annuity versus going with a CD. And earlier in the program, we talked about blanket statements, Grand. And again, I've heard that blanket statement that I hate annuities and you should too. And that's very, very unfair to do that because there are all different types of annuities out there. There are some that are good for people. There are some that are not good for people. So before you make a blanket statement like that, get in, sit down 
down and talk with Grant about annuities. If that is on your mind, see whether or not an annuity would be right for you. It doesn't cost you anything to have this conversation. Once again, that telephone number, 402-281-0750, for this complimentary consultation. We call it the Peace in Retirement Blueprint. Just a friendly conversation between you and Grant to get your questions answered and to put you on the path towards a successful retirement. Once again, I highly want to reiterate this. There's no cost for this. There is no obligation whatsoever. There is no judgment. So unless you're completely satisfied, I highly encourage you to call Grant. If you've got a plan from someone else and you want to have Grant take a second look at that, once again, call 402-281-0750 and get your Peace in Retirement Blueprint or a second set of eyes. You can also do that by going online to DorhoutRetirementServices.com. That's D-O-R-H-O-U-T RetirementServices.com. Want more straight talk and honest answers about your wealth management and retirement journey? Stay with us. There's more Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout here. We're back with more strategies for a successful retirement. This is the Retirement Blueprint. Once again, here's Grant Dorhout and Jeff Shade. We hope you're having a great weekend. Of course, this is the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Dorhout. My name's Jeff Shade. We're here for you every week on News Talk 1290 Coil for your fiscal fitness and your financial education. Grant, in this segment, I want to talk about uh, something that I read that said one in six retirees are considering unretiring. I want to get your comments on that. Do you think that they're unretiring because they simply need the money? Or is there some other reason, do you think? I think there's a lot of reasons why people do. And I think it comes down to planning. When we start having the conversation about retiring, we have a conversation with people about, okay, what are we going to do with the 2,600 hours that we just freed up? Like, do you have enough hobbies that you really enjoy doing? One of the reasons that people are going back to work is they're getting bored. Right. Uh, they, If they're single, they might be getting lonely. Inflation has, has stirred the pot a little bit in the last couple of years. Stock market volatility as well. Maybe just needing money because of that inflation or even needing health insurance. There's a lot of reasons why people go back to work. But when I look at, at the top reasons, you know, the, the needing money, getting bored, lonely, all of these things, any one of them, including inflation, stock market volatility, and health insurance, with proper planning, if we figure it out before you hit the easy button and you, you retire, if we figure it out beforehand how to combat any of those things, that's part of the proper planning that we talk about. The complete planning is making sure that you're going to have things to do to keep you not only not bored, but healthy throughout the rest of your life. Right. And if you're considering going back to work, there are a number of considerations that you should take into account before you make that decision. And not the least of which is that if you've started Social Security, let's say at age 62, 63, maybe you're 64, 65, 66, and you go back to work, it could affect your Social Security benefits. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, if you go back to work and, you know, you're you're not full retirement age yet, let's say you're 64, 65 years old and you took Social Security at 62, I mean, the earnings cap is is a little over $21,000 and so for every couple dollars that you go over, you're going to give a dollar back in your Social Security benefits. Now they do add it back in. It's a very complicated formula for when you do fully retire but that's neither here nor there we gotta we gotta think through these things and i think if we would have the proper planning done these types of things won't even come into play now if you go back to work not only social security could affect that but also medicare premiums right now i think there's a part b premium which is i think roughly 175 dollars something like that but if you make more money does that medicare premium for part b go up yeah, Jeff, that's a good one to to point out. That's called IRMA, where you have the income-related monthly adjustment amount. So if we have, let's say, a couple that, that makes more than $206,000, and that might sound like a lot, but if we make more than two hundred six, but less than two fifty-eight, we're going to have a additional premium owed for Part B of $69.90. That can go all the way up to $419 extra per month. So mm-hmm. if you go back to work, you could have a significant surprise inside of your your Part B premiums. You got to consider that. And if you don't know how to figure that part out, we can help with that as well. We've been in a Medicare space for almost the entire 20 years that I've been doing this. Okay. So Grant, uh, let's talk about money that you would get from, let's say, dividends, equities, investments, and things like that. Does that count towards your income that would cause your Medicare premiums to go up? 
Yeah, it certainly can. This is a question that I would run past your tax advisor is, okay, well, hey, if I have long-term cap gains, if I have ordinary dividends or qualified dividends, if I have short-term gains, which ones are going to wreak havoc on my IRMA if I go back to work? I mean, there needs to be a lot more considered. And if someone is bored and they have enough money and they're in that situation where, hey, you know what, I'm going to go into a different tax bracket. I don't necessarily need the money. I'm bored. A simple solution there is find one of the good charities we have in town and and volunteer some time so you can get rid of some of that boredom. That is a big consideration is just boredom around the house. I mean, you were gone all of these years and you had something to do. Now you're at home. There's a lot of things that you cross off your list here in the first six months and you get all those things done. And then you look around and you go, well, what's next? And you may have a spouse there, too, who is saying, well, who are you? What are you doing here at this period of time, too? <laughs> you know, going back to work can relieve some of those uh, problems that you may have. I mean, too much togetherness is a real thing. What's your opinion on that, Grant? Yeah, I think I've told this story uh, on the radio before. I had a couple that I saw when I uh, I went independent back in 2006, and I went into the agency, and I saw this lady that she looked like she was retirement age, and she was. She was about 70 years old, and uh, and she was coming in, and she was she was getting certain supplies, and I asked the the people at the agency what the story was, what was going on there. She, does she just enjoy what she does that much that she doesn't want to retire? And they said. Actually, her husband retired, and then he came home, and she was already retired. She wasn't working at that point, and it was a funny situation that she said, you know what, this is bad. <laughs> we, I got to go do something yeah. <laughs> else. So she went and got her insurance license, and she would sell Medicare supplements, and he would drive her around. She would go into her appointments, and while she was in the appointment, he would sit and he'd do a crossword puzzle or something like that, so that way they could be together, but not too much together. Yeah, and I think of the story, too, uh, that happened to a financial advisor friend of mine, he had a client and that happened. They retired. I think he was a high ranking military officer, something like that. I know that he was a military officer, but nevertheless, he retired. They decided to get a motor home and they were going to travel across the country. They were in North Carolina, I believe. And they started off on this trip. And by the time they got to Texas, both of them had divorce attorneys. I mean, too much, <laughs> too much togetherness can be a bad thing. So that is another thing that you want to consider if you're thinking about unretiring. Also, so, you know, if you're thinking about unretiring too, and let's say you're in your 60s or in your 70s, what's your opinion on this one, Grant? But I believe that age discrimination is real. I mean, most people don't want to hire someone who is in their 60s or their 70s for a variety of reasons, and maybe health is one of them. How do you feel about that? What's your opinion on that one? Yeah, there's a certain amount of it that's just inevitable, honestly. I mean, if I look at the majority of people that are in their 60s or 70s or 80s, definitely not everyone, uh, but if we have a, a position that is highly technological and has a lot of moving parts with technology that they didn't work the majority of their career with, just the fact is that they don't have that type of experience that's needed in certain jobs, that there's going to be an inevitable amount of uh, age discrimination, not because they just look at them and say, oh, they're old, they can't do it. That's not it at all. It's just there's certain amount of qualification. For instance, in my office, if I ask my mom and dad to come in here and work with Salesforce and with our with our computers and work with the technology that we have, that's not going to be their area and it's not their fault, no. but they would not be a candidate for this particular type of job. And so you're going to have that in a lot of different spaces, strictly from a technological standpoint or just a skills standpoint. And then there's the unfortunate ones that they would look at them and say, hey, you know what, they're too old. They wouldn't be considered just because of their age. I think AARP, if I remember right, says that about 80% of older workers have seen or experienced some sort of right, age right. discrimination in the workplace. That's a big number. Right. I, I hope it's not just because they look at them and say, well, they're older and, and, and we're going to discriminate against that in a malicious way. AARP probably has the numbers better than what my feeling is. Well, I think the fact food industry should hire older workers because at least they can count. I mean, a friend of mine went to a restaurant last <laughs> week. He went in and he got a, you know, like a diet soda or something. And it was $1.83. He gave the uh -huh. young fellow behind the counter, it was like seven quarters. What would that be? Uh, $1.75, basically. It was seven quarters. Four yep. and three was $1.75. See, I can't even count. It was $1.75. <laughs> he gave seven quarters. He gave a nickel and three cents. And the young fellow oh behind the goodness. counter counted it. He counted it again. 
And then he looked at it again and gave him back two quarters. I mean, <laughs> really. <laughs> so there's a lot of reason to hire uh, people who have been around the block a little bit and have learned the basics of arithmetic. We've had a great show today, Grant, but unfortunately we're out of time. Once again, that telephone number, 402-281-0750. If you want to get in and sit down with Grant and have a confidential conversation about your retirement journey, no cost, no obligation for this. And again, if you do call, you will be speaking with Grant, not some other advisor, and you don't have to wait months to get in. Once again, 402 402- 2810750 is the number. Call it this weekend. 402-281-0750. You can also request your complimentary retirement blueprint online at DoorHoutRetirementServices.com. It's D-O-R-H-O-U-T RetirementServices.com. Grant out of time for this week. I want to thank you for your time, but most of all, thanks to our listeners for joining us here in Omaha. For Grant Doorhout, I'm Jeff Shade. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of the Retirement Blueprint right here on News Talk 1290, COIL. The opinions voiced in the Retirement Blueprint with Grant Doorhout are for general information and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Examples provided are hypothetical and for illustrative purposes only. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Investing in an alternative investment may only be suitable for persons who are able to assume the risk of losing a portion or all of their entire investment. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not consider the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Jeff Shade and show guests are not affiliated with CWM LLC.